Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Go with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We will um, pick up where we've been talking and ministering from concerning the gifts of the Spirit. Hasn't this been good? Amen. You know, teaching is good. It's good to understand these things. I know it might not be, you know, super inspirational or, uh, you know, maybe tug or pull at your heart, but it is still necessary. And uh, if you remember, uh, Paul is speaking to a church that was zealous in these gifts. He wasn't talking to a church that had neglected or abandoned these gifts. He's talking to a church that actually had abused and misused these gifts. And so what we need to understand is that we need to continue to have a passion and a zeal for the things of the Spirit, but zeal needs instruction. Zeal needs to be channeled appropriately, that that passion, even though that's a good thing, you know, it's interesting to to note and to recognize that these gifts were were happening in a church. You know, it wasn't that the devil was in operation. You know, anytime I've seen a gift misused, I've never come to the conclusion, oh, the devil's working. The devil's moving. The devil's trying to get us. No, it's just zealous, passionate believers that have tapped into something. I tell you, when you when you start seeing the Spirit of God in manifestation, then gifts in operation and, and, and things demonstrated uh, according to the book of Acts and according to the New Testament, it gets you fired up. Like, this stuff is real. They weren't, this wasn't just something that we read about in the past. This isn't just historical encounters. This is literal, real stuff that God wants to demonstrate and show himself this way today. And so it does get you passionate and it does create some zeal like man we got to see that but then what Paul is doing is saying okay now we got to channel that appropriately because at the end of the day uh you can't live off a gift you can't you can't make a living off a gift you make a living off a paycheck okay you can receive a gift from someone every now and then and it'll bless you and it'll edify and it'll encourage you but you can't make a living just hoping on another gift That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. That's why he said, you as a believer, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You don't have to always rely on a working of miracles or a a, a gift of power and operation that you can see these things take place on a daily basis. But then there's times where we need the, the, the gifts of the Spirit in operation. But I don't always need a tongue and interpretation because he can speak directly to my spirit. I don't need to go following a prophet all over town trying to find that next prophetic word because I've got the word of God and this right here has enough to save my soul. This has enough to renew my mind. This has enough to transform my life. This has enough to make me a new person if I never got another prophetic word. You see what I'm saying? So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make a living off of these gifts. I'm thankful when they're in operation, but I'm not going seeking. See, what happens is, is we seek the gift and we neglect the gift giver. <laughs> we start seeking the gift and we forget that the source is the Father. The source is the Holy Spirit that He's placed upon our lives and lives and indwells each one of us, abides with us forever, just as Jesus said. And so I need to continue to have an emphasis on the Father, have an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. 
and not just taste after the stuff that he gives us. Amen. And so, again, you know, for the sake of teaching, we're breaking these down individually. Last week, we began to look at the gift of tongues. And I say that we began because the public ministry of tongues, remember that tongues has a private ministry and a public ministry. And according to the word, this isn't just my opinion, according to the word, the private side ought to be used in much more greater demonstration than the public side. I mean, according to the word, Paul said, I'd rather speak a thousand words in English than, and, and, and five words in tongues. I mean, you, you go by the ratio there. He's saying that, man, you know, this is not one of the most uh, uh, powerfully demonstrated gifts. It is the most prominent. And the reason why it's the most prominent is because the gift of tongues and the gift of the interpretation of tongues are exclusively to this dispensation. You realize that we didn't have gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues when Jesus was walking the earth. We didn't have gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues in the Old Testament with the prophets and the priests and the kings. And we didn't have those in operation. That these are two gifts that are exclusive to this dispensation from the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, on. Prior to Acts chapter 2, you don't see these two gifts. So they're the most prominent because they're specific to this day, to this dispensation, to this church that's in the earth today. And will there be a day that these two gifts are no longer needed? Who knows? But we know as far as this dispensation is, until Jesus shows back up in the earth, apparently we need it. And I want to remind you that Paul uh, has devoted of all the nine gifts, he devoted an entire chapter to these two. To these two. Number one, they were the most widely used. And number two, they were the most widely misused. Why is that? Because all the other gifts, all the seven other gifts to a degree, were literally prophecy you could put in this category as well. So really the other uh, six gifts demand a, a natural confirmation. What I mean is if, if you say you have a word of knowledge about someone's life and you get it wrong, guess what? The other person's going to let you know, uh, no, I, I don't have a pain in my shoulder. Thank you so much, Pastor, for trying to be spiritual. I, I, I don't have that, right? And man can miss it. Man can miss it. Give a word of wisdom. You better hope you get that right because you're giving, you're speaking into someone's future at that point. A, a, a working of miracles. I mean, we're all going to know if they got the miracle or not. I mean, when we, when, when, when Peter and John said, rise, take up your bed and walk, you know, receive, receive strength in your legs. And he immediately rose, right? Leaping and dancing and praising God and went on to the, everybody knows. But when it comes to tongues and interpretation and prophecy, you know, it seems like we can easily say the spirit of the Lord says, and who knows? If the spirit of the Lord says that's between you and God to a degree right now, it's a public ministry in that it's not just, you know, I feel the spirit of the Lord leading me to go here or go there. This is public exhortation, public edification. And so, you know, of course, the word tells us to judge these things. But at the end of the day, do you really know? 
does the congregation really know if that person that just got a tongue interpretation or even a prophetic word really got that by the Spirit? Did they just have some weird pizza last night or they just got a sensing in themselves that was for them but not really for everybody? Okay? You know, these gifts really demand that you're in tune with the Holy Spirit. They really demand that you are in tune with the Holy Spirit of God. Okay? And, and, and let me add that add to that. Don't judge a gift if you're not also in tune with the Holy Spirit. It seems like the people that always want to judge if a gift was really in operation are the unspiritual people. Right? You don't even speak in tongues. You haven't even received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you want to tell me that that guy's off. I, I, you know, I've never had someone that, uh, was, that had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit denounce it. It's always people that have yet to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or walk in that that want to discredit the use of tongues, interpretation of tongues, or even tongues in someone's private life. So, you know, we want to make sure the, 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 the most key thing is we're in tune with the Spirit of God. That's what I'm trying to say. Be in tune with the Spirit of God. And it won't be misused and it won't be abused. So again, Paul has given an entire chapter to rectify and clarify you know, these three gifts specifically, tongue, interpretation, and prophecy. So we saw last week the tongues, gift of tongues is supernatural utterance by the Holy Spirit in languages never learned by the speaker, not understood by the mind of the speaker, nor necessarily always understood by the hearer. So when we're talking about the interpretation, the interpretation of tongues, therefore, can be defined as the supernatural showing forth by the Spirit, the supernatural showing forth by the Spirit, the meaning of an utterance in tongues. It's the supernatural showing forth by the Spirit, the meaning of an utterance given in a tongue or an unknown language. Now, here's what we have to understand. The interpretation of tongues is just as supernatural as the utterance in tongues. The interpretation of tongues is just as supernatural. I use a different word. Just as miraculous as the utterance given in a tongue. Meaning this, as a tongue is being given, there's not an individual in the room that is understanding what they're saying but they are being shown by the Spirit of God what the Holy Spirit is trying to reveal. In, but they're not listening. Uh, okay, so here's the biggest difference. It's not the translation of tongues. You got me? That, does that help? We're not translating the tongue word for word. It's the interpretation, meaning it's showing us the meaning of what was spoken in another tongue. You know, many times you might find, um, if you've ever experienced this, that the tongue given may be of one length, length of time, length of words, length, length of what's spoken. And then its interpretation may not fully contrast with it. It may be shorter. It may be, you might have a short utterance in tongues and a long interpretation given. And vice versa, you might have a long tongue given and then a short, and, and, and that's because we're just gaining the picture. It, it, it could, it, you know, when the Spirit speaks, 
um, he, he's, it's not word for word equivalent. So therefore, you know, and this happens even in natural languages. Have you ever, you know, uh, seen, uh, you know, there's a lot of baseball players that don't speak English. You know, we get baseball players from all over the world. And so they might be interviewing a baseball player that speaks Japanese or speaks, uh, you know, Spanish or something. And then he has an interpreter with him. And that interpreter, <clears throat> you know, the, the guy in Japanese, the, the athlete, may give this long answer. And then the interpreter just gives this short answer. And sometimes I'm wondering, did he just forget everything that the guy actually said? So he made up his own stuff, you know? I mean, you know, you're at the mercy of the interpreter at that point. But, you know, the length. So some, these are things that we get hung up on. Is that really interpretation? His tongue was this long and the interpretation was only this long or vice versa. No, we're just getting the, the meaning. We're getting the picture. We're not getting a word-for-word equivalent translation of the tongue that was given, okay? So it is a supernatural showing forth, a revealing by the Spirit of God. The interpreter has to rely on the Spirit to get the meaning just as much as the utterance, or the one giving the utterance, has to rely on the Holy Spirit to give the tongue. It's just, they, again, they are not listening to the word and saying, okay, got it, yep. No, they're, they're getting sensitive on the inside, and they're saying, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you saying in this moment? And then they give an utterance. And, and many times, just like pro, pro, uh, prophecy that we'll look at next week, just like prophecy, <clears throat> you will find that you only know what to start with, and as you speak, you still are gaining clarity and understanding. A lot of, lot, of, lot of faith demanded in these gifts because you don't always get the whole picture. You just have an unction on the inside. I've got a word. And man, it's burning. It's like, you know, what Jeremiah says, like a fire shut up in my bones. It cannot be contained. And, and you know when you've got a word. It, it just, I've got to get this out. And you know when you've missed it. And then you find the pastor in the hallway and you say, I should have given that word. And the pastor has mercy and grace upon your life. <laughs> like yield to the spirit of God. Right? But a lot of times you just get what to start with. You don't get the full picture. The full purpose of this gift, the interpretation of tongues, is simply this. To render the tongue intelligible to the hearer. To render the tongue given intelligible to the hearer. Let's look at some things here. Uh, you know, we want to keep the word engaged. I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm giving you what the word says. So go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Because this is where Paul, again, really uh, breaks down and explains the, the gift of tongues in operation as well as the interpretation of those tongues. Uh, let's just start with verse 1 here in verse 14. And I'm going to try to coincide my points along with this passage as much as I can. And, and sometimes we'll just be bouncing around. But we'll just start here with verse 1. Guys, I'm going to use the CSB, the, the Christian Standard Bible. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. And especially that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in another tongue is not speaking to people, but to God. 
since no one understands him. He speaks mysteries in the spirit. Now, I want to remind you that the tongue's primary purpose in the believer's life, in the spirit-filled believer's life, is that of devotion and communication to God. Remember, we talked about the, the direction of the communication. And when I'm talking to God, I'm praying in tongues. Uh, Paul identifies, we'll see it later on, my mind or my knowledge, my intellect is unfruitful. It means I don't have understanding of what I'm saying. And that's okay. Nowhere in the Bible does it demand that we understand what we are praying to God in the spirit. In fact, Paul says, I'm speaking mysteries. It's a mystery. It's unknown. But my, my spirit prays. And if you don't believe that your spirit can make effective power uh, working mightily, even without your natural intellect engaged, then you don't understand the word of God. Because there's so much that, that we are to rely upon and depend upon without it making sense in our mind. Without it, it being cognitive capacity um, in, in, in our intellect, in our mental capacities, okay? So he says that when you are praying in the spirit, your mind is unfruitful. But when you're speaking in the spirit, speaking in tongues, that's the public ministry now. You are speaking from God to man. On the other hand, the, perf the person who prophesies speaks to people. Why? Why are they in operation? For their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. So now he's redirected it. As long as your spirit is praying to God, your mind doesn't need to be engaged. Your intellect doesn't need to understand because your spirit's doing the work. In fact, he says you're edifying yourself. Do you know you can strengthen yourself and not even know what you're praying or what you're saying? Absolutely you can. But now he says when it's from heaven directed to earth, when it's from God directed to man, we cannot perform the function of edifying, strengthening, and consolation to the church unless we know what's being said. Now I need my mental capacity engaged. If I were to just give you a tongue directed to you, towards you, not you just listening to me pray in, in tongues, but if I'm supposed to speak to you in tongues and there was no interpretation given, it does you nothing. Paul says you'll leave there the same way you came. Nothing's changed. So now we need the interpretation. That's why he says it's better that you prophesy. This is another point I have. Tongues and interpretation together Equal prophecy. Equal prophecy. Prophecy does this, performs the same action and function that tongues and interpretation together. Honestly, you could say this out of the nine gifts, tongues and interpretation of tongues are the two weakest gifts because they demand another gift to be in operation. The gift of tongues without interpretation uh, is futile and interpretation without tongues, well, you can't even have it. You can't interpret what hasn't already been said. Now, all the other gifts, they can stand alone on themselves. But these two gifts cannot. They demand both. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, the person who speaks in another tongue builds himself up. We just heard, we just spoke about that. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you spoke 
in other tongues. So once again, he's not discouraging them from operating in these gifts. In fact, he wraps up this entire chapter but saying, by ending it and saying, desire to speak in other tongues. This, is, this ought to be exercised. I wish all of you spoke in other tongues, but even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. So we see that its primary function is to bring intelligence or understanding to a tongue that was given so that the church may profit, so that the church may benefit, so that the church may grow, may be encouraged, may be exhorted. Verse six, so now brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in other tongues, how will I benefit you unless I speak to you with a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? He says that there's four ways that I can benefit you in a church service. I can give you revelation. I can give you knowledge. I can give you prophecy or I can teach. Those are the four ways that we can be benefited by someone speaking in a corporate service like what we're in tonight, like what we do on Sundays. <clears throat> Even lifeless instruments that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, if they don't make a distinction in the notes, how will what is played on the flute or harp be recognized? In fact, if the bugle makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? In the same way, unless you use your tongue for intelligible speech, how will what is spoken be known? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world. None is without meaning. It says every language that exists has meaning, has purpose. So why would it be any different for a heavenly language? I mean, do we really think that we serve a God that has his own language, but it doesn't have any meaning or purpose or, or any function for us? Of course not. He says, if every other language in this earth has meaning or interpretation, then so does a heavenly language. Uh, Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, verse 11, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, again, this is a church that's desiring these gifts, working in these gifts. Seek to excel in building up the church. He's admonishing them, for too long, you've had your own interest at heart. And the only way that these gifts will work is if you have the church's best interest at heart, the hearer's best interest at heart. We said it from day one, that any of these gifts used for your own personal benefit or gain will become misused or abused. And then you start creating entertainment. Then you start creating a performance rather than exhorting and edifying the church. And really what you do is you teach people that the gift is greater than the gift giver. It's what you're reinforcing. That God can't move, God can't touch your life, God can't reveal something to you, God can't show you something, God can't uh, reveal how awesome he is to you unless one of these nine gifts are in operation. So let's make it work. We begin to manufacture it. We start to conjure things up. We call things the spirit that really aren't the spirit. And again, I've told you horror stories of, of, of pastors and churches that have done unthinkable things in the name of the Spirit. There was a pastor, and I think it was in the 90s, maybe the 80s, 
uh, that, well, it had to be the 90s because I used to watch them growing up on TV, that he would meet with people before services and learn things about them and then in the service call them out and, you know, read off their, 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 uh, you live at such and such, you know, one, two, three, Ivory Lane, and, and you were born on su- just ridiculous stuff. And come to find out, he was setting all that up. There's other ministers that have paid people to act sick so that they come on stage and get healed. Why? Because you're reinforcing that the gifts are the only way God can touch your life. And now you've made a show of it. Now you've made a performance of it. And then what do we do? We throw the baby out with the bat. Well, then none of these gifts are, should be worth it. Just forget all that. Just go to church, read your Bible, and just be as good of a person as you can. When God wants these gifts in operation, and we can't let those that misuse or abuse them to draw us away from them, but I can understand why. I can understand why some want nothing to do with tongues and interpretation, especially, I mean, if you read about this church, you'd be like, Paul, it'd probably just be better. We don't just we just don't touch that. <laughs> the craziness that's going on. I mean, he ends the whole thing with let everything be done in decency and in order. Decency and in order. Decency and I mean, imagine that we can still have Holy Spirit filled services with decency and in order. And for some reason, we've created this this. This chasm, this divide that it's either decency and an order, but no spirit, or it's spirit, but it's just utter chaos and confusion. And somehow, somehow, God makes a demand that we have it all in operation together. There must be a way. There must be a way. There must be a way that we can have a service where the Holy Spirit moves and operates, but it doesn't draw attention to man. It draws attention to God. People are strengthened, encouraged, and edified, just as it says that it's for the profit and benefit of all. There must be a way. And I believe we can do this scripturally. You know why, uh, you know, not to get off on this, but uh, I think a big reason is, is there wasn't enough accountability. What I mean by that is you got to have leaders strong enough. I don't want to say bold enough as in, you know, in your face, but, but strong enough that when someone gets off, He's ready and able to address it. I mean, there was a service, Pastor Chris, I think you were there. I, I, I want to say we were in Lake City. There was a service where there was, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a move. But, but, you know, the, the size of the room didn't really lend itself to tongues and interpretation. Yeah, it's tough to have tongues and interpretation. We got someone giving a tongue, you know, on one side of the room. You know, in a room like this, it'd be possible. And on a night like this, it'd be possible. But, but in a room where, you know, there's probably, you know, 2,000 people in the room. And you got the, the band making so much noise, you know, that, that you know, I don't mean noise. You know what I mean. They're making a joyful noise, Tommy. Making a joyful noise. Y'all are doing a great job. Keep it up. But they're playing so loudly that you can't hear. I mean, you know, a lot of the churches I grew up in, they were small little churches. And, and so we saw these gifts in demonstration. And so a lot of people say, well, why doesn't that translate? So, well, there's just some logistical things in the way. We learned one just recently. There was one, I, I don't know, maybe within the last year, we had our band up here. And someone sitting down here, either Pastor Chris or maybe Mr. Nick or somebody, began to give a tongue. Now, in that moment, you want all the direction given to the individual given the tongue. So you want it quiet. 
I mean, at the very least, maybe like a little synth pad or some keys playing underneath. But in the churches I grew up, everybody stopped what they're doing and you're giving your attention. Why? Because God is speaking. It's reverence and honor, not to the person, but to God who's using the, the vehicle and the vessel of the persons in front of you. Well, we've got this newfound uh, technology that our band uses called in-ear monitors. Everything they're hearing from each other is in their ears. And those are sound-isolating headphones. Anybody have sound-isolating headphones, AirPods, or anything like that? Where it removes all the sound outside, and all you hear is what's in your ears. Well, the problem was he's talking, and he's talking pretty loud. And I can hear him, because I don't have in-ear monitors, of course, when I'm preaching. But they cannot. So I had to turn to them. I said, stop, 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 stop. Didn't I? Why? Because we can't hear the word of the Lord being given. I mean, that's just logistics stuff. That's, that's, that's not, you know, the devil trying to creep in and mess up our, that's just, man, we, we, we can't hear that. You're down. All we can hear is what's being done in the microphone. So I had to call the individual forward and they had to take the mic. So now what, what I'm saying in this microphone is being pumped into their ears. Just little things like that, you know, over time have, it doesn't mean the gift has gone away. It doesn't mean that we don't operate in tongues and interpretation and in different environments and in different atmospheres. It's just not possible. I highly doubt the Corinthian church had in-ear monitors. <laughs> I highly doubt they had microphones or access to any, right? It's, it's just a little different. Culturally, just a little different. But it doesn't mean those gifts have gone away. It doesn't mean that they're not in operation. All right, so um, verse 12, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in the building up of the church. Let me look at my points here and just make sure I'm getting everything I need. Um, yeah, okay, let's keep going. Verse 13, therefore, the person who speaks in another tongue should pray that he can interpret. Now, we don't have any directive given on who can give a tongue and who can give an interpretation outside of these two things. Number one, it's as the Spirit wills. It's not as we will. It's not as we want. I'm going to just tell you right now, and maybe some charismatic people might have a problem with this, but that's okay. We're going to just stay with the word. Most of the time where you have a sense of urgency to pray in the spirit or to, to speak in the spirit, even in a corporate setting, I would go, I would venture to say nine times out of 10, 90% of the time, it's your personal devotion, the personal application of speaking or praying in tongues. It's not for everybody in the room. Just going to make that clear. Because, I mean, you know, how, how, how can I discern? How can I know? Well, give the tongue publicly and we'll let you know. I don't mean that in a bad way, but, you know, I've told, you know, that was probably just for you. Was, was somebody else in the room encouraged? Sure, very possible. Very possible that somebody got something from that. But he says it's for the profit of all, meaning that, that it will speak to a corporate. And many times, you know, you can just tell the difference when it's just, uh, you know, that was probably something personal for you. Maybe a struggle you're going through, something you're dealing with, something the Lord's speaking to you personally about. But it doesn't really convey 
to the heart of man. But you can tell when someone gives a tongue and interpretation or even a prophetic word, and it, it impacts the heart of the, the room. I mean, every person is touched. Every person is like, wow, that was all. There's just a different anointing on it. There's a different boldness behind it. How can I get better at discerning it? Exercising it. I'll tell you right now, the more that you pray in the spirit privately, you will identify this ain't just private. This is public. Secondly is, does the Lord consistently lead you in that way? Because the Bible says that the spirit uh, it's as the spirit wills, these gifts are distributed and manifested to individuals as the spirit wills. So, you know, typically it'll be a lot of times, especially in a church uh, uh, congregation like ours, where you have individuals that come consistently, that within this room right now and, and within a, a church service of those that regularly attend Anchor Faith Church, they're going to be individuals that consistently work in different ways. Meaning that, you know, is that something that consistently happens in your life? That, I, that there are individuals I know in our church, they, the, op, the, the, the operation of the prophetic ministry is upon their life. I know that. And so when they get, get a word or they feel like they're getting a word, you know, typically they have the green light. Because I know that that's someone, that there are times where if, if not, I'll have them give me the word first just to judge it and just to identify, okay, you know, is that really the Holy Spirit? And is it for the moment right now? But when it's consistent enough, then I, I know who the Lord will operate in the gift of tongues or the interpretation of tongues. Many times when you know that the Lord uses you in that way, especially with the interpretation of tongues, um, as soon as a tongue begins to be given, they're already hooking up. I mean, the, the individual doesn't even have to finish their tongue, and they already know I'm up next. They already know. And, man, they're ready to fire. Now, every now and then, I've been in a service, and maybe you've experienced it too, where someone gives a tongue, and then you have this long pause. And what you probably have is two or three at least in the room all deciding on, am I going to go first, or is that that person, or that, you know, right? That's just the natural getting in the way a little bit. But man, when, when, when it becomes so, when you become so sensitive to it and discerning of it, I mean, you're, you're ready to go. As soon as the tongue is complete, you already know what to say, at least where to start, at least what the word is that's being given. The word doesn't give us any directive that uh, uh, you can't interpret your own tongue. I've had people tell me they don't think that people should be allowed to interpret their own tongues because they could be making it up. Well, we, anybody could be making this stuff up. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, that person could be making up the tongue and that person could be making up the interpretation. So we, 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 sometimes we build up cynicism and skepticism to this stuff, and it, it, it doesn't allow us to fuel the, the Spirit of God moving uh, in, in, in a service or in these ways. The Word doesn't prohibit that. The Word doesn't say that the person that gives a tongue shall never be the one to interpret the tongue. We don't have that. We also don't have this one. I've had people give me a hard time about this one, a husband and wife. Pastor Daryl and Bonnie Huffman. 
many times. I, I can't recall a time that they've done it here at Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, but many times I've seen them where Pastor Daryl will get a tongue and Pastor Bonnie will get the, the interpretation. And vice versa, she'll, she'll just start to speak a tongue. Pastor Darrell's already up there ministering, and immediately he begins to give the interpretation. Many times. I do believe this as well. The, the word doesn't tell us this uh, specifically, but it also doesn't deny it either. And I believe that there's enough evidence in the word that would allow this, that I believe that the leader of the meeting, whether it be the pastor or the one holding the meeting, will have the interpretation if no one else in the room has. Because I do know this, that there should never be a tongue that is not interpreted. And if there is no one else in the room to give an interpretation, I believe that the leader, the executor of that service, that the Holy Spirit will reveal, even if that's not a gift they primarily operate in. I believe we have enough evidence on the leadership of the church, the shepherding of the church, that, that there is not going to be a gift that goes in operation that we can't add on the interpretation to and that we're just stuck with a tongue that nobody understands in a heavenly language. Does that make sense? So these are just some, again, just some natural directives for teaching. It's not that the Lord can't use anybody in a service, but many times you're going to find consistently there's someone that operates with these gifts and in these ways. Uh, let's see. The only directive that we do have when it comes to tongues, and we'll get, it, we'll get to it here in a minute. Uh, he limits it at two, at the most three. In essence, what he's saying is we shouldn't just have these services where it's just one after the other after the other, and it's just this, that the Holy Spirit can reveal what he wants to reveal in one two or at the most three tongues and then interpretations. Many times I've seen this, that there will be a tongue given, someone will interpret. You know, the Bible says, let one interpret. That, that is actually better translated, let someone interpret. Prior to that, he says, two or at the most three, those are numeric. But if you look at the Greek, when it says one, it's not a numeral. It's meaning let one interpret. Let someone interpret, okay? So it doesn't mean that there's only one individual that can interpret. If you have uh, three different tongues given, that only one person can interpret it. But many times I've seen that be the case. Someone will give a tongue and an individual will interpret it. And then you just feel, you know, we're not done. You can sense these things in the spirit. You can sense the, you, if you've been in these services, you know. You know when it's lifted and you know when we're performing by the flesh and you know when it's the spirit and it's just, you know, we're just going to wait here. We're just going to sit here. And someone else will give a tongue and the same person will give an interpretation. And then maybe a third if you feel, but, but he says right here, you should not have a compulsion for a fourth. It's very clear. And there's, there's, no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It shouldn't just carry on past that. Why is he saying that? Because this church specifically would just have tongue and interpretation services and psalms and hymn services and prophesying services where there was no teaching given, no true revelation given, no preaching given, no inspiration given. And eventually it was beginning to be abused and most likely it was more flesh than spirit at that point anyways. And so that's why 
uh, we have these limitations because any one of these gifts can run the risk, but especially these gifts, run the risk of operating out of our flesh rather than the spirit. So if we don't have a limitation, then we'll just keep on going, calling it spirit when it's not. Does that make sense? Okay, let's keep going. Verse um, 14. If I pray in another tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is fruitful, is unfruitful. My understanding is unfruitful. What then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing praise with the spirit, and I will also sing praise with my understanding. He's saying, I'm not going to discontinue praying in tongues just because I don't know what I'm saying. I'm going to continue, but I'm also going to pray with understanding. Otherwise, if you praise with the Spirit, how will the outsider say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not know what you are saying? For you may very well be giving thanks, but the other person is not being built up. Are we coming into these services saying, how is it benefiting the church? Or are we just saying, how is it benefiting me? We've got to ask the question. I thank God that I speak in other tongues more than all of you. I mean, if that doesn't tell you right there that this is still happening today, this is still going on today. If tongues are not of the devil, let's just get rid of that. Tongues is not, you know, I, I heard a pastor, he said, man, I ran hard for the devil, but not once was I ever tempted to speak in tongues. I drank, I slept with people, I smoked, I did everything you could under the sun, but not one time did the devil ever tempt me with speaking in other tongues. And he said, if I was running with the devil so hard that if it was evil, I would have, I would have wanted it. I would have done it. Okay. I thank God that I speak in other tongues more than all of you. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding in order to teach others also than 10,000 words in another tongue. Brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your thinking. Be infants in regard to evil and adult in your thinking. It is written in the law. I will speak to this people. For by people of other tongues and by the lips of foreigners, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Speaking in other tongues then is intended as a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. I've been told that I can't bring my unsaved friends to your church because y'all speak in tongues. They're not denying that it's for today or that we shouldn't be doing that. They're just saying my friends will think it's unusual. Let me tell you something, buddy. Your friends are looking for something unusual. They love the unusual. They love the unfamiliar. They're not looking for something that goes right along with what they're already doing. They're looking for something to get them out of what they're already doing. We've got to stop putting this posture on the world that they can't handle what we're doing in the church. We don't want them to handle. And if, if, if what we do in here relates so well with the world, we're doing something wrong. <laughs> we're, we've tapped into the wrong thing. That's literally what seeker sensitive was born out of. It was seeking the lost rather than seeking God. I want to seek God because apparently he's really good at drawing all men unto himself. I believe he's good at that. So let's go after him 
and let him draw the people to him. Okay? Not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church assembles together and are all speaking in other tongues and all are speaking uh, in other tongues and people who are outsiders or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all are prophesying and some unbeliever or outsider comes in, he's convicted by all and is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart will be revealed. And as a result, he will fall face down, worship God, proclaiming God is really among you. Now we get to the order. And this, these are the things that we want to drill down on here. And then uh, we'll be done with this topic. This is what we need to understand, um, that the Holy Spirit is grieved by the misuse of a gift just as much as he is by the lack of use of a gift. There's two ways you can grieve the Holy Spirit, by not using it at all, that's grieving the Holy Spirit, or misusing it, not using it according to its function not using it according to its design. These three gifts, again, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy, lend themselves to misuse and confusion more than any of the other nine gifts. These three gifts lend themselves, run the risk of more misuse in the church than any other gift. Um, and we understand that most of the time, these gifts are misused by people that are zealous and passionate about spiritual gifts. They're hungry for the move of God. They're hungry for the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. It's not the devil working or any of those silly things. So let's look at what he speaks on according to the order. What then, brothers and sisters, whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation another tongue, or an interpretation. Again, he reminds us, we've seen this so many times between 1 Corinthians 12 and now in chapter 14, everything is to be done for building up. So apparently, each one, everyone, using these gifts in this manner is not building each other up. I mean, that's the way our minds work, that if we have more of it, then we'll just be the more built up. He says, no, that's not how it works. The Holy Spirit doesn't need quantity. He just needs quality. The Holy Spirit doesn't need everybody to have a tongue and everybody to have a song and everybody to have a hymn. There was one service just recently that, you know, uh, I think it was at the end of a service that different individuals just felt the Lord, not in, in tongues, but in English just lay on their heart, whether it was prophetic or just give a word of encouragement. And I mean, they were, and finally I just had to cut it off and say, hey, we, we've reached it. We, we, we get it. And it wasn't, that, it wasn't that it was wrong. It was just that we can keep this train going. And, and this is what I have found is you might be hesitant or apprehensive the first time. But man, when you release a word and you see how it, there's something that happens on the ends. All of a sudden, you know, even just the natural boldness steps in that says, man, I, I got more to say. Or I feel like he wants to say this. No, he doesn't. That's just you just getting really excited about what God is doing. Okay? That, that's all that is. Um, I do this with my homiletics class. It's, it's hilarious because uh, when I teach this homiletics class, that's teaching people how to prepare sermons and deliver sermons. 
They're always so nervous. They're, they're, uh, so I have these little icebreaker things that I do with them. And man, as we go through the icebreakers, one of them is I just have them pull out of a hat a topic, and they just have to stand up there for three minutes and explain it. Where do you work? Explain to me your job. Talk to me about your family pet. You know, just give me, and, and it, you're just talking about, and it's just funny how they get to talking, and they keep talking, and three minutes is going, and I'm like, okay, they got it, three minutes. I mean, three minutes ago, you were nervous out of your mind, didn't want to open your mouth. That's just natural. And especially when you see God moving and God in operation, there's a party that's like, didn't want to shut up. You want to keep sharing this. You want to keep going. But this is where we have to recognize, okay, what's benefit and profiting all versus just getting up and sharing something encouraging. He says, everything's to be done for building up. If anyone speaks in another tongue, there are to be only two or at the most three each in turn, and let someone interpret. That's where the King James reads, let one interpret. So we've, we've bought this idea that only one person can interpret regardless of how many tongues we give it, and it's got to be the same person. That's not the case. It's rightly defined and, and rightly interpreted. Let one interpret. <clears throat> um, but if there is no interpreter, that person is to keep silent in the church and speak to himself and God. So know your setting and know your environment. It would be unwise for me to give a tongue in a setting or in an environment where I know most individuals are not spirit-filled and operate in that way. That wouldn't make sense. In fact, that, that would do the opposite of what the scripture tells us. Okay? So you got to know ref refraining and, and restraint just as much as when to let this loose. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should evaluate. And again, when we evaluate, that's not judging on a natural level. Only the spiritual can judge spiritual. Okay? Remember the, the passage in, I think it's Galatians chapter 6, when a brother has fallen into sin? Those of you who are spiritual, there's a qualifier. Not just anyone can restore someone from sin. If you're struggling just as bad, you're probably not a great candidate. <laughs> Hello? It's nothing against you. It's just saying we need someone that is of a greater stature, of, of more knowledge, of, of more discipline and restraint in their lives to help pull this individual out of sin. If you're not the candidate, then get them to the candidate. You see someone falling in sin, don't just let them continue to slide down sin. Don't just, you know, have a sympathetic ear and listen to their stories of how they can't seem to get it right. Get someone in their life that says, man, I know someone you need to go talk to. And you know who that is. And so it's the same way with these spiritual matters. This isn't the natural that can't under, it's funny how we, um, you know, want to judge the things that we don't even understand ourselves. Maybe we should just sit back and say, you know, I don't understand how that works. So I can't judge whether that was of God or not. I, I, haven't, I haven't matured to that level. I haven't exercised to that level. I haven't experienced to that level. So, you know, but so quickly we want to move to judging, oh, that can't be God, or can you believe that? You know, there are unusual things that happen. That's why it's called the supernatural. He's a supernatural God. It's heaven coming to earth. And when you, all you're filled with and engaging on a day-to-day -day basis is the world, then guess what? Heaven's going to look a little different. Jesus looked a little different, and they killed him. 
because they couldn't handle the supernatural engaging the natural. But if someone has been revealed to another person sitting there, the first prophet should be silent for you can all prophesy one by one so that everyone may learn. The next thing he says is don't be talking over each other. That's what I was referring to, Pastor Chris, that service that we were in, which really didn't lend itself to tongues interpretation being exercised. But two people began to speak at the same time. Do you remember that service? I don't know if you were. I might be thinking of a different person. Two people began to speak over each other. And, and one of them had, one of them was speaking, I believe, in just a prophetic word in English. But another lady just started shouting in tongues. And you knew that it just wasn't like the first, and, and the first lady then, you know, kept quiet and let the woman with the tongue. And then there was no interpretation at all. And it was quiet enough where everyone could hear. I mean, the band was up playing, but, you know, especially everyone around them could hear. And, and you just knew, ah, no, we missed it. I want to say my wife even went and found that lady and encouraged her and said, you, you had a prophetic word. And unfortunately, someone else, you know, shouted over the top of you and, and didn't allow you to share that. But just want to confirm, you were, you were hearing by the Spirit of God. Because that can be discouraging. Well, maybe I missed it. Maybe I didn't, maybe I wasn't really following the Spirit. Right? And the devil comes in and begins to bombard. See, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're talking about. Don't ever do that again. And, and, and for the rest of her life, be discouraged from operating in a gift of the Spirit when the Lord was using her in that moment. So he says, don't be doing the shouting mess. Don't be competing, you know, trying to, trying to talk one over the other. Do it one at a time. One by one so that everyone may learn and everyone may be encouraged. And the prophets' spirits are subject to the prophets since God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Um, let me just make sure I've covered everything here. Last thing I would just wrap up with this. Know the difference between the private and the public. That's where a lot of the confusion comes in. If we can exercise the difference between my personal, private, devotional, praying in the spirit, then I will be able to readily identify the public use, the ministry use, and let the Lord move and work in that way. Um, let's wrap it up here in verse 39. So then, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. We'll get into that one next week. And do not forbid speaking in other tongues. There's the instruction right there. But everything is to be done decently and in order. Apparently, you know, there was a, a, a lending, again, with these gifts, tongues and interpretation, where it was creating chaos and confusion rather than decency and order. And I'll tell you right now, decency and order does not just mean tongues and interpretation. We need to have services that are done with decency and in order. All my type A people say amen, right? You can't handle when people are just shouting and doing all kinds of crazy, you know, shouting when it's supposed to be quiet. But you know what I've found? Y'all don't get as upset when um, the pastor says, now give a shout of praise and half of you may remain quiet. I'm going to tell you right now, you're just as much of a problem as the ones that are shouting when it's supposed to be quiet. You follow the service. I thank God that those uh, Israelites that were circling around Jericho, that none of them were like, you know, I'm really an introvert. I'm not the shouting type. I'll leave that up to the loud shouting worshiper type, right? 
And I'm thankful that the extroverts weren't, you know, for seven days, like, I, I can't be quiet this long. I, I got stuff to say. I, I just want to worship my God. I just want, no, you be quiet. And then on the last one, shout with all your voice. And I'm thankful that the introvert sacrificed and the extrovert sacrificed, and we just followed the flow of what God was doing. If the pastor says, man, give the Lord a shout, you ought to be, yes, come on, praise God. And if there's a quiet moment, and even if the pastor gives us, shh, no one moving, no one saying, then we follow that. We don't need outbursts that take the attention off of God and bring the attention on ourselves. And we don't need all the noise. We just need to be reverent to what the Spirit of God wants to do. Decency and in order. It's really easy. It's really easy. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.